0: This is tim from uh Fuchol, just outside of paris um i'm out here sitting on my roof above my terrace uh looking at the full moon rising and uh of course you know turn on the mic on and car comes through of course um the full moon rising and listening to your podcast with uh, craig adams And, uh, man, this is such a beautiful moment. Uh, the moon is still a bit yellow. And, uh, I'm just thinking about the, the thing I'm going to do this summer. Uh, and that's, uh, walking to Santiago of Compostela in the north of Spain, uh, all the way from the center of Paris. So, anyway, love the podcast and, uh, hope everyone's well out there.
1: Hello everybody, my name is Michelle. I come from Reno, Nevada, but I am currently in Santa Fe, New Mexico, enjoying most of the afternoon in my van in what is, I guess, the beginning of the monsoon season here. So it's been a lot of thunderclaps,
2: lightning, lots of water coming down from the sky, and the wind has been gently rocking my van. So I've been popping some popcorn
1: and listening to Chris Ryan's podcast to keep me company. So I just want to say thank you for being a part of my journey as I head eastward and I hope everyone's doing
2: all right out there. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle and Tim. I love the idea of popping popcorn in a van outside of Santa Fe while the sky is uh, going nuts. That sounds pretty good to me. Uh, I am sitting outside uh, the Museum of Mining in Grass Valley, California. There's some dark clouds above me at the moment as well, uh, which I think is about the last coolness that's going to be felt in this part of the world for a week or so. All the stories are saying a historic heat wave is about to hit here. There's some kind of dome thing going on in the sky. And uh, the Pacific Northwest is about to get cooked. So I don't know what I'm doing. I was supposed to go uh, boat camping with uh, a buddy in a few days on a lake around here somewhere. And uh, maybe up to Lake Tahoe with Tal Ruspoli out on his boat. Um, But I don't know. It might be too damn hot to do that. It's weird. It's weird, these uh, apocalyptic van trips. There's no water anywhere around here. There's, like, drought. Everybody's in drought. The rivers are low. The reservoirs are low. Um, And we're right at the base of the Sierras, where I am right now. So, you know, this is the first place the water comes to. So anyone downstream from here is in even worse shape. Crazy. Strange times we live in, ladies and gentlemen, but at least we have popcorn. Thank God for popcorn. Popcorn is a funny thing, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> I don't know why I'm ranting about popcorn. But it's like super, super, super cheap if you make it yourself. And super, super, super expensive if you buy it at the movies. So it's it's one of those extremely location... Uh, dependent things. I don't know. There must be other examples of that. Um, tacos. If you buy tacos in Mexico, they're super cheap. If you buy them in L.A., maybe not. Beverly Hills Taco Shop. Anyway, uh, this episode is is with uh, Miguel Romero, my buddy. Uh, mi hermano de otra... Well, otro madre. Yeah, it doesn't sound as good in Spanish. Um, anyway, Miguel lives in Mexico City. He's a very, very smart guy, uh, very curious. He's got all kinds of interests ranging from design, which he does for a living. If you've got any graphic design work and you want to uh, work with someone who's really smart and cool and easy to deal with and honest, Miguel's your man. He designed um, one of the covers for the Tangentially Reading book that I keep forgetting to promote on this podcast. I mean, I'm almost up to 500 episodes and I still haven't gotten around to like writing out a thing and like the thing at the end that I'm supposed to do, you know, like. Thanks to Carsey Blanton for Smoke Alarm, and the uh, intro music is by Basin and Range, it's called this, and uh, don't forget to check out my blah, 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 and my blah, 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 and get yourself a copy of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I've never gotten around to that. Um, Closest I got is mom talking about her cottage. Um, Anyway, we had another get-together since the last time I spoke to you in Santa Cruz at the Shanty Shack. That was Awesome. Thank you for coming out. Anyone who's listening to this, who was there, that was really fun. Really cool. It gives me hope in humanity. One of the few things that gives me hope in humanity. It's weird. I like people, but I don't like people. Um, let me say that a different way. I like individual human beings, at least, you know, a lot of them when I actually meet them. But I don't like the species. I'm not a fan of Homo sapiens, but people tend to be pretty cool. that's a That's a conundrum, isn't it? Um, yeah, not quite sure what to do with that. But anyway, we had a, a great time in Santa Cruz. Kyle Tierman, Anya Katz, and I held a joint get-together for our listeners and friends, and uh, Kyle's dad was there, E.T., one of the coolest dads ever, real sweet guy. Um, We ended up sleeping in his driveway while we were in Santa Fe, which is nice, pretty ideal driveway. So now we're in Grass Valley, Nevada City. We were thinking of doing a get-together here, but Honestly, it's, it's kind of a weird vibe here. Um, I'm sure it's, it's a beautiful place. This is like in the area where gold was first discovered in California, I think. And so there's lots of streams and hills and trees. And it's a beautiful area. Um, but it kind of feels like um, unwelcoming. There are a lot of signs around saying, no parking here, no no overnight parking, stay out of here, get the fuck out of here. Uh, cops everywhere. I mean, I, every fourth fucking car that goes by is a police car. So I don't know. It, it feels very like, you know, keep moving, hippie. We're not amused by your big red van with the bison bone on the front. You think you're funny. Get the fuck out of here. That's the way it feels to me i don't know i may be projecting that but that's the vibe i'm getting so i mean it's one of those things where last night this is the downside of of living in a van you know it's dark we went out for thai food mediocre thai food i gotta say uh not highly recommended in nevada city nice nice restaurant cool patio really nice vibe but the food eh. um what was it called soba soba thai um a middling review from doctor for coming your way. So, Thai. uh, really good service though. Nice people. I don't know. It's like the homo sapiens people thing. You know, it's like, you really like everything about the restaurant except the food. What does that mean? Anyway? Uh, yeah, then we were, you know, looking for a place to crash and it's, you know, normally in a small town, you just pull up under a tree on a street and that's it. but, the feeling here was like, we're going to get a fucking knock on the door if we do that. There's going to be some cop hassling us. So then we're driving out of town and it's dark and you can't really tell. And I mean, we were way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere and we went down this little dirt road and still there were fucking signs everywhere. No parking, just get the fuck out. Like, as, does this place get overrun with hippies and vans? Like, what is the deal? Uh, I guess it must. I don't know. I don't see a lot of them around, but maybe, maybe it's because they've been shooed away. Um, anyway, between that and the, uh, impending heat wave where temperatures are going to be breaking records from Seattle to, um, San Francisco and, and out to Idaho, uh, I'm thinking get up as high into the Sierras as we can find a spot off some forest road by a stream and just hunker down um and sort of wait it out. So that's what I'm thinking, which means I won't have any Wi-Fi once we leave here. No more Wi-Fi, so I'm trying to get this podcast up and out. I'm trying to get two a week out until I catch up because I've got all these already recorded. They're fucking awesome. They're so good. I think I explained last time. I thought, like, record a bunch of them while we still have Wi-Fi because once we're on the road, nobody's going to want to talk because uh, of COVID and all that shit. And it turns out everybody's like, yeah, whatever, COVID's over. So I'm recording all these podcasts on the road, which are great, but now it's like I got a, you know, 15 podcast pile up in my on my laptop. So this is Miguel. Miguel's awesome. We talk about... Mostly, I think on this podcast, we're talking about UFOs um, because that's been in the news a lot recently. And Miguel is a bit of a scholar on this issue. Uh, And as a scholar, you'll hear that his position is quite subtle, you know, and and very unusual in the sense that normally this is one of these issues where people, um, you know, come down very strongly on one side or the other. They're either true believers, you know, they probed my anus, or they're skeptics that just think it's all a bunch of hogwash. Uh, Miguel has, Miguel is in a position, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, you know, he's in a position where it makes it very easy to respect his opinion because it's an opinion that includes nuance, it includes knowledge, it includes Um, humility right (laughs) I mean how many that to me that that's when you can respect someone where whatever it is they're saying it's encased it's framed whatever their painting is it's framed by I don't really know a hundred percent right there's always room for reflection and revision and when new evidence comes to light my position will change. Uh, my understanding will change. that That's someone who's thinking. Those are the people you want to listen to. The people who are thinking. Not the people who have planted a flag and they're going to defend it no matter what. Big difference. And, and I think that distinction is getting lost. It's getting lost. It's weird. You know, I mean, people talk about like, oh, so-and-so is, you know, he flip-flopped, talking about politics, you know, so, oh, he flip-flopped 30 years ago, he said that, uh, you know, we pay too much welfare, and now he's saying we should have more welfare, he's a flip-flopper. No, dumbass, shit's changed in 30 years, the world's changed, he's changed, the information that's come into that person's head has changed, it's not flip-flopping, it's fucking thinking, Oh, he's backtracking on what he said 10 years ago. Fuck, he's not backtracking. He's thinking. What's wrong with these people? It's like thinking is a sign of weakness. Or it's taken as like an indication of hypocrisy or something. Ah, Fucking homo sapiens. Anyway, here's another thing I like about people. Music. Uh, I really like this music I like this song and the only reason I picked it is it came up on the van the other day uh, on my um, Wi-Fi or what not Wi-Fi spot Spotify uh, playlist. by the way, it's public so if you have Spotify and you want to listen to what I'm listening to in the van uh, it's called what is the playlist called like Chris Ryan's something or other. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now just to stand oh and it says something went wrong so I guess that's no good. Um anyway yeah it's called Chris Ryan's five star playlist or some shit like that. Anyway, just find me on Spotify and um I think all my playlists are public so I've got I don't know, a dozen playlists. Um and I think one of them is is music by people who listen to the podcast and sent the music in it's not what it's called but that's one of the playlists so if you um and then there's another one that's music that i've played on the podcast but i think someone else has put that together i didn't do that one uh someone who listens did it so if you just look for tangentially speaking and you'll find um a playlist of of songs that some a listener put together good job listener thank you all right, so anyway, this is Otis Taylor, strange guy, strange guy. This is one of many musicians that I was introduced to by Mark, my roommate at the Ecstasy Conference in Israel in 1999 at the uh, the Dead Sea Hyatt, <laughs> Mark Plummer, uh, a guy I hardly know but who has changed my life immensely by turning me on to so much good music anyway Otis Taylor and if I remember correctly Otis Taylor never rehearses he just sort of has the song sketched out in his mind and he I guess he's got a band that he's played with for a long time so they don't need to rehearse and he feels that the spontaneity the the quality of spontaneity is much more important to capture than um uh, You know, the sort of refined quality that one would get with a lot of practicing. So he's sort of the opposite of Steely Dan. Now, I'm talking out my ass. I don't know that. I'm sitting in a parking lot. Uh, I've got no Wi-Fi, so I can't confirm that that's true. So you might Google that if you're sitting in a civilized, air-conditioned space and find out that I'm totally wrong about that. If so, I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Why is the bottom more sincere than the top or the side? I apologize from the ventricle, the left ventricle of my heart. But I'm pretty sure that's the story I heard many years ago about Otis Taylor. And this song is called uh, Three Stripes on a Cadillac. And he mentions going to Mexico. That's really the only connection with Miguel. Uh, I was thinking of playing a song by Mana, which is a Mexican band that I really like. Uh, the uh, What's the one? The something, the Muelle de San Blas is a is a beautiful song. Um, but then I thought Miguel might might think like, oh, dude, that's so corny. You know, like Kyle Tierman asked me specifically not to play a Beach Boy song when I had him on the podcast the first time talking about surfing. And um, I think the last time Miguel was on, I played... Uh, God's Child where Selena and David Byrne uh, have this duet it's beautiful I really love that song but I can't do the same song twice for the same guest at least not knowingly I'm I'm sure I've done it by accident but Um, so anyway this song has pretty much nothing to do with Miguel nothing to do with UFOs very little to do with Mexico but I like it it's a great song It's Otis Taylor. It's called Three Stripes on a Cadillac. Thank you for listening to this podcast, despite my total lack of professionalism. And um, if you want to support it, please do. Uh, There are lots of ways to do it. Go to my website, thatchrisryan.com, or tangentiallyspeaking.com, and you'll see them laid out there before you like a buffet at the finest Holiday Inn in all the land. Only available from... 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning so that anyone who sleeps like a basic human being will miss it. But it is available at the Holiday Inn. Styrofoam cups. Unripe bananas. Horrible pastries wrapped in cellophane. Um, yeah. Support the podcast. Buy shit on Amazon through my affiliate link. That'll take a little Bezos money. Send it my way. Um, You can become a member of the Chris Club. Got to come up with another name for that. I just recorded a video Roma for those lucky Chris Club members where I answered everybody's questions and queries. Uh, Everybody in the Chris Club, that is. There's a subscriber-only forum area, private, exclusive. Blacks and Jews are allowed, but it's still exclusive. You need to pay your monthly fee to be part of that Chris Club. And uh, what else? You get free copies of the ebooks. Tangentially talking about drugs with the cover designed by our guest Miguel Romero, where I look like some kind of 70s porn star. And tangentially talking, uh, oh no, sex. That's the one where I look like the porn star. And uh, And that's it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. <laughs>
3: Lost in life, down in Mexico, put three stripes on the Cadillac. Lost in life, down in Mexico, put three stripes on the Cadillac. Speed and power, that's the game. Young Senorita won't come back again. Lost in life, down in Mexico, put three stripes on the Cadillac. Lost life, down in Mexico, put three stripes on a Cadillac. Lost in life, down in Mexico, put three stripes on a Cadillac. Two dives went off the cliff, young Cenerina won't come back again. Two drivers went off the cliff, young Cenerina won't come back again. Yeah. Go yeah. Loss in life down in Mexico. Three, three stripes on a Catalan. Lost in life down in Mexico. Put three stripes on a Catalan. Lost in life down in Mexico. 3 stripes on the Cadillac Oh yeah, oh yeah Oh yeah, uh-huh Oh yeah, oh yeah Oh yeah, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Lost that life down to Mexico Put 3 stripes on the Cadillac Lost that life down to Mexico Stripes on the Cadillac. Two drivers went off the cliff. Young Sinorita won't come back again. Say now two drivers went off the cliff. Young Cinorita won't come back again. Oh yeah, Uh uh-huh.
2: Okay. Estamos aquí con Miguel Romero. <laughs> Bienvenido, señor.
4: Hola, buenas, buenas tardes ya. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey,
2: welcome to the podcast again. Yeah, it's thank you good to, to check in with you. Uh, as I was saying just before I turned on the mics here, uh, there's all this uh, UFO stuff going on recently, and it, it made me want to check in with somebody. Who has uh, a little more knowledge about these things than I do but before we get to that let's just uh, talk a little bit about what's
4: going on in Mexico what's happening down there oh dear where do I even start without trying to get too political over here but uh, It's, yeah, I it's, it's hard
2: to talk about Mexico without getting political. It's...
4: Right, exactly. Like, for example, I was just checking how the former uh, U.S. ambassador was trying to criticize this administration's uh, strategy with uh, cartels, basically saying, yeah, they're doing nothing. <laughs> you know, they're doing like, yeah, live and let live, a strategy which is not what Washington wants. Uh, and the Mexican president saying, well, yeah, fuck you, <laughs> you, know, you don't get to criticize us. Uh, and, the, and at the same time, he's begging the United States for money and he's begging the United States for more vaccines. Uh, so it's, it's weird. And also we have obviously the, the, the vaccination campaign. Uh, my folks are over 60, so they got their first shot of AstraZeneca, still waiting to hear when they'll get the second one, so I'll get to you know have a huge relief. God knows when I'm getting mine because I'm 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 only 47. I'm so supposedly they'll they'll, they'll begin uh, inoculating us by June, but I'm not holding my breath. So there's that. We have elections coming and things are getting really heated up. the the, pre- the Mexican president is basically very angry that uh, the federal uh, electoral institute is kind of saying the yeah, you you can't have it all you know the way that you want to that he wasn't he wants his polit- his candidates to be accepted even though they are crooks and they and they don't follow the rules and what, what
2: party is he
4: he's from, from the current president he he founded a party, he's been like in all the parties, like he first, he first was with the PRI, who was the party right. that uh, held power for 70 something years here in Mexico. And then he moved to the PRD, uh, or PRD, which was like the left-leaning party that was started to get a lot of uh, influence by the 90s. He was the president of that party at one point. And then he was the candidate of that party for two times or, or three no two consecutive uh, elections but then when they said well enough is enough you know let let another guy here run he was no screw you and he went and founded another party which is the now the the party is called morena which is mm-hmm. like an acronym meaning national regeneration movement but it actually is like a, a, like a play word because he wanted this, the name to sound like uh, here in Mexico, you know that there, there's a lot of people who are devotees to the Virgin of Guadalupe, which is called La Virgen Morena. So he wanted to have that kind of like religious connotation, right? right. So now they're the guys who have all the power and he's keeping keep amassing power, like uh, destroying the institutions that took us like decades to, to actually have. And he wants more. And, and, and right now we have this judge from the Supreme Court who was going to have his uh, term finished. And he just, the, 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 his politicians passed a law to renew his term for two more years which is against the Constitution. And the guy says, well, the Constitution doesn't matter. No? We need this. We need this to, to the transformation of the country. And it's like, what mm-hmm. the hell? You're supposed to uphold the Constitution. So everybody thinks this is what he's trying to do in order for when the, ter- the time comes when he finishes his term, he might say, yeah. well, you know what? I need more time, guys, you know? Yeah. I need more, uh, like, an extension. It's not really like, a, you know, re-election, which here in Mexico is a big no-no, you know? That's why we fought a revolution, like, 100 years ago. So it's like everybody says, oh, you're exaggerating when you're saying this guy is trying to turn Mexico into Venezuela, but... There's all these signs, like, he's militarizing the country, he's undermining institutions, he's attacking nonstop uh, journalists that are criticizing him. It's like, what's going on here? Why are we going back to a one-man rule here? You know, we're supposed to be a democracy now.
2: Is the general sense that elections are Free and fair in Mexico.
4: Mexico. Yeah, yeah. It took us a long time to get there because uh, back in the days of the pre, back in the days of what uh, some uh, writer call it the perfect dictatorship, because the party was always in power. They just changed, you know, the guy, whomever, whomever was sitting in the presidency. But back in those days, they are the, were the ones who were organizing the, the the elections, and everybody knew the elections were fraud, you know, like uh, they were always winning. But by a lot of hardship and a lot of, you know, problems, we managed to get an an, an independent electoral inst- institute, that those are the guys who are in charge of uh, running the elections. And the majority of the Mexicans trust that they are fair, you know, mm. that the we we do have free, fair elections, and in in some ways, our electoral system is better than yours, guys, because uh, here in Mexico, everybody, everybody gets a free uh, voting credential, you know, which is like your ID, you know. Right. And we hel- hold our elections in, in a Sunday, you know, when the majority of the people can actually go and cast your vote. Whereas you guys, for some reason, you do it on a Tuesday. What the hell is wrong with that? <laughs> the whole
2: thing's set up so that people with jobs won't vote. We don't want exactly. them to vote.
4: Exactly, yeah. we don't want them to vote. But yeah, we kind of like managed to get this semi-functioning, uh, trusting electoral system, and he wants to undermine all that. He says, well, I might have to you know, cut the funds of the electoral college because they are too corrupt, they are too expensive, we need to do things differently. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> is i remember
2: the days when when the pre was uh in power and then and then like really serious things were happening i remember uh what was his name Quatemo cardenas
4: Quatemo cardenas yeah was, was he running. was yeah like he, this guy was like the son of another president of mexico lazaro cardenas which who was very very important in history like he is the guy who nationalized our oil industry right Mm. like in the 30s so he is kind of like almost like an historical icon by now and guatempo cardenas was born in los pinos which was like the president's residency back in those days Uh, and yeah he was part of the pre- And then, like, he wasn't allowed to be, like, the candidate or something. So he went and founded the other party, the one we were talking about earlier, the PRD or PRD. So he was, and he became mayor of, of Mexico City. For the first time, he, there was uh, a uh, democratically elected mayor of Mexico right. City. And what was a, uh, uh, he was a huge deal. And then he ran for president, and, and there's this idea that he actually won the elections, but the PRI says, you know what? Guess, guess what, guys? Like, the computer system fell down, and we don't know <laughs> yeah. what happened, let us let us make yeah. a recount. Oh, you see, our candidate won. Sorry, Pop yeah. Temok. And that's what happened, you know. So there yeah. was this ma- major steal of the elections. Right. Uh, and the guy never managed to become president. And then, what, but he was like
2: a, I mean, my understanding of it was that he was sort of, a, like, like you say, he was a very privileged, you know, he's the son of this president, this icon, He was born in, mm-hmm. you know, in the Mexican White House. Uh, mm-hmm. at, but then he sort of betrayed the ruling class and was a candidate of the people. At least that's how he was being described. Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: and he still has a, a lot of respect. He's been a very respected uh, political figure. Uh, like he's the voice of reason. Yeah. when you want to have someone who is not to the really far right you know like the pre or the pan which is like the like our right wingers are the guys who are very much uh fundamentalists well not fundamentalists but they are very much into religion and they are against abortion and gay rights and all that thing and there they are then they are the like uh, the very radical left you know like the communists the socialists and there are a lot of those in the new ruling party Morena. And he was like, center left, which is what a lot of people wanted, right. Uh, But unfortunately, he never managed to get that uh, popular support. He's not that I guess he lacks that kind of charisma Mm, that actually gets you the votes. Not like this guy, guy, Vicente Fox. Fox. He was Ah Vicente Fox. Yeah. He got he had the right? right Yeah, he was banned. Yeah, exactly. He, lots and, of charisma. Yeah, he got lots of charisma. And, you know, he got a lot of people right up. I voted for him. You know, I was very excited, you know, when he won. There were people in the streets, you know, like cheering, like like as if Mexico had won the the, 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 the World Cup in football. It was like, ah, we're the champions. And he promised there was going to be this amount of uh, uh, changes. And I really feel that uh, he wasted that opportunity. Like... That was the moment when we really needed to start from scratch. But he let many of the old, corrupted ways to preserve, and it's kind of like Obama, man. Like you, you, you put so much expectation and high hopes on these guys, and they they don't manage to deliver. And that's why you think, ah, he was such a lousy president. Although now I think of him, and he was he wasn't that bad. He actually managed to to maintain Mexico in a really strong, robust uh, economic state. You know, he managed to you 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 to go through really rough times. I mean 9-11 happened when he was in president, right? So that was that wasn't fun. Uh, so but yeah and then after that it was uh Calderón was from his, first, his, the same party as his, and Calderón is the one who started, like, the war on, on the on the cartels, like, saying, yeah, we need to hit the soldiers on the streets, man, because this is getting out of hand, and that's when the violence in Mexico phew, skyrocketed, right. skyrocketed, you know? Lots of deaths, lots of... And, 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 and people don't... Uh, people will always uh, be against him because of that, you know? Because right. you were the one who get the violence getting out of control. And then people voted for the all three, right? Like saying, let's get back to what we know <laughs> that it kind of works with Peña Nieto, who is, like was the most corrupt president ever. He was a total stupid, uh, he was also not very smart. Uh, like, some, like Trump, you know, someone asking, hey, you know, so how many books have you read? Or what is, what, tell us five of your favorite books. And they were like, uh, Well, mm, you know, (laughs) he couldn't couldn't name five. Uh, And then we voted for this guy. And this guy has been, oh, Jesus, you know, absolutely terrible. Like, everything that he promised, he hasn't done it. Like he said, we're going to take the the soldiers out of the streets. He's actually giving the soldiers more power. Like, he's getting the soldiers to build our new airport. And the new airport is uh, a total mess. He's... uh, He's making our airport right in front of a mountain. <laughs> so I don't know how that's gonna work. Even imagine, Chris, you might come to Mexico City and you are going to land in one airport, and then you have to travel. maybe if you have a connection, you will have to, to uh, travel on land like 30 miles to the other airport <laughs> and hoping to God you don't lose your flight. Yeah. And yeah, and, yeah through that famous Mexico City traffic
2: too. exactly, exactly, yeah, you know, yeah.
4: hoping you don't get robbed.
2: <laughs> so what about the, the what's the social? Um, you know, politics like like in Mexico, for example, marijuana legal or not?
4: It's getting legalized. Oh, it is. Oh, it is it, is, it oh. is actually getting legalized, although the process is is very slow, because this president really doesn't have any interest. on on legalizing uh, narcotics. Uh, But I guess they have come to a point and said, well, we cannot... This is the trend, right? We're we're seeing what's happening in in, in the United States and the United States is like saying, yeah, let's legalize everything. So I guess Mexico in in that regard is kind of like riding that wave. But it's taking... Will that that happen federally or is that state that state by state? It's probably going to be maybe first it will be state by state in more progressive states like probably here in in mexico city there will there will be more uh leeway for people who want to uh but the problem is that the laws they're writing are not great like they're making a lot of stupid things like saying okay in a household there will be they'll they'll have a right to to like have five plants per per household it's like Mm. okay what if what if more than one people in that household actually likes to smoke, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So are they going to forego their rights just because they're in the same household? So it's a, it's a complicated discussion that is getting there, although people are more interested in other things, like for example, uh, our energy reforms. We, we see that in the rest of the world, there's a that, that very drastic move toward renewables, toward greener, of fuels. But this guy is saying, no, we need to save our oil industry. We need to go. Yeah. This is the way to go. And we actually need to burn more coal <laughs> in order have to have the- coal in Mexico.
2: I know you have a lot yeah. of oil.
4: We have well, no, not so much oil as, as, as we used to have like 50 years ago. Now, actually, our oil wells are drying up. It is oh, getting really? more difficult to get to that oil and the oil that is extracted in mexico is not of the same kind of quality that it used Uh, to be that is like has more sulfur so it's lower it's cheaper and and when you refine it we get uh, oil fuel which nobody wants but we burn it here in mexico to make uh, electricity and that's why Right now, we have such a higher levels of pollution here in Mexico City because there's a, 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 a thermoelectric plant that burns oil fuel n- next to the city. And every time you know, the, the, the pollution levels get up because of the plant, they say to people, hey, you, you, have, you, you cannot ride your car anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to lower the levels of, of Yeah,
2: it's like uh, don't litter while we dump all our shit in the river. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Throw- don't,
4: don't use straws while we keep sent, uh, putting uh, fishing nets in the ocean. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So what about some other things? Like, uh, right. you know, where is Mexico in, in terms of uh, gay rights, gay marriage, abortion, you know, these sorts of hot-button mm-hmm. issues in the U.S.? I can never, like, it seems like in some ways Mexico is more liberal than the U.S. and mm-hmm. yet more conservative in others because... Catholicism is obviously much more uh, central uh, to, like, Mm -hmm. for example, like, do you guys have um, Opus Dei and that kind of stuff involved in politics? Uh,
4: Say that again. What kind of Opus
2: Dei? In Spain, Opus Dei. It's a, it's like a radical right-wing sect of Christianity, and they're very much involved in politics.
4: Right, right. But sorry. Oh, yeah, right. The, the, yeah, you, we do have uh, Opus Dei here in Mexico. Although they're not that involved in politics, they are involved in education. My two sisters mm. actually went to school at uh, a school that was uh, run by uh, Opus Dei. They, we have evangelicals that are getting very, very involved in in, in politics. In fact, there is uh, a guy who is the the ruler of this sect called Light of the World, Luz del Mundo, who was detained in the United States for charges of child pornography. (laughs) And he has uh, a lot of friends here in in the ruling party. He actually managed to get his 50th birthday uh, party, at Bellas Artes. Do you remember the, the Palace of the of Fine Arts? And they they rented the room, the, 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 the whole place for him to have his birthday party. And he got detained in Los Angeles for charges of uh, sexual abuse of minors, child pornography. And those guys, uh, and that other, there's another party in Mexico that is very, very much into, you know, uh, Christian evangelicals. And they are very much against gay marriage, they're much against abortion and all that. And Like I said, the old pan, they are also very like, well, no, we don't, we don't want uh, abortion. Against gay marriage, maybe they don't say that much. Uh, and, and then there, we have the, 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 right, the left-wingings, who were the ones who actually got a lot of uh, rights for the gay community, especially in Mexico City, like with Cuauhtémoc Cárdenas, Became mayor of, of Mexico City, and we have a lot of progressive policies, which were very good. Right. You know, you see a right. lot of uh, young kids, you know, of the of the same sex holding hands, and mostly nobody, you know, messes with them. Like 20 years ago, they would have beaten them, you know, and say, yeah, yeah, you know, maricon or whatever, you know. Nowadays, I, you can not even say, you know, something like maricon, you know, it's uh, totally totally offensive. So the mm. culture is changing in that right. regard, but not not as quickly as we definitely would want to. Uh, at gay, at, uh, gay couples adopting kids, that's still, that's mm. still uh, kind of like a battle right now. Hopefully we will manage to, you know.
2: Yeah, I remember reading something I mean, I remember when Cardenas was mayor of uh, Mexico City and and like he was instituting a lot of these changes, like Mexico City was way ahead of the US in terms of accepting gay rights and gay yep. marriage and stuff. Yeah. But And I remember, I don't know if this was just a proposal or if it actually happened, but I remember there was, um, I remember reading about a, a marriage certificate or something that you could get in mexico city where it was like a temporary marriage that you needed to renew every five years or 10 years or something so so it would be like you'd get married and if you didn't remarry in five years then it expired it just automatically expired
4: it was probably a
2: proposal
4: no i don't think oh, okay. that did happen huh no
2: i, I, I thought maybe that yeah. yeah, I think it was a great idea.
4: Yeah, so there's this, there's this progression in Mexico, but at the same time, you see the, the crime and abuse against women. It's in an all-time yeah. high, you know? Oh, really? That what we call, yeah, we call it femicides. Is seen being an all-time high, and this president, he doesn't want to accept it. He's actually very much against uh, women's rights, and he's kind of annoyed by them, you know, mm. because they are one of the few groups that can actually stand against him and his policies, you know, and he's like, no, well, we only want you to behave politely, you know, don't go and, and, and make a mess, don't do vandalism, you know, things like that. Right. And it's like, you're not getting the message. And at the same time, one of the recent scandals as that he was his party, they were promoting this candidate for governor of a state. And this guy has been accused by Several women of rape and sexual abuse. And the president was like, well, you know, guilty until proven innocent, you know, we need to let the guy, you know, let the people you mean, decide, you know. Yeah.
2: He's, innocent he's, until proven guilty. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, there is something to that, you know. We're, sure. We're seeing people getting accused of things and, and uh, their entire lives being destroyed. <clears throat> with no no process I, I sure don't know. it's it, it, these things are difficult so listen um w- I see you uh first of all, I want to thank you publicly for uh your help in the Dean Radin uh interview that I did a mm, few weeks my pleasure. ago uh, haven't posted it yet, but uh that was really helpful. Um, because you're much more knowledgeable about, uh, research into paranormal, um, activity or, or phenomenon than I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so thank you for that. Um, but I also like, I don't have a clear sense of exactly what it is. Like, where are you on the UFO phenomenon? You're obviously, it's something you think about a lot. I guess you've done research, you've published some stuff, um, but I see, well, I see you on Twitter, on Twitter sometimes, sometimes, and it seems it like you you occupy this sort of, this sort of skeptical, skeptical but open-minded, but open-minded space. space. Is mm-hmm. that accurate?
4: I think that people, I, I will be comfortable comfortable calling myself a UFO heretic. You know, oh, okay. like what is I, that? I, I've listened to you, Chris, um, muse in your podcast saying something to the effect of that we're seeing the collapse of institutionalized religions, right? We're seeing this uh, problem because there has something, there, there needs to be something that occupies that space because nature abhors a vacuum. And even uh, something like that was being said by the, the, the guest that you had in the last uh, podcast that you posted. This guy, what's the name of this Jamie, guy? Jamie. Yeah. Jamie Wheel. Yeah. And, he, and I, I didn't finish uh, listening to that conversation yet. Like I was like uh, one hour in. And he was saying something like, okay, on the one hand, we have the fundamentalist religious types, you know, And on the other hand, we have the nihilists, and he he was kind of like saying, and we have a void between the two, and I was waiting for him to say, wait a minute, but there's something in the void there, man. I know there's something in the void there because I, 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 I swim in that void, and that void is occupied by fringe ideas and fringe beliefs. You know mm. I was waiting for him to drop the UFO thing because I honestly think that uh, when institutionalized religions begin to disenf- the, disenchant people, if people are not, are not feeling attracted to those ideas, uh, maybe the Richard Dawkins of the world and, and the Michael Shermers thought, okay, we keep uh, uh, attacking the, the Catholics and the Muslims. and uh, then, pe- then the young minds will come to our fault, right? The, if, if we keep saying how stupid it is to think that Noah could manage to get all the animals inside the ark, or saying, "Hey, so where did Cain get his was his wife? <laughs> where, where did she come into this into this situation?" If we keep pointing to those logical loopholes, then everybody will become uh, a materialist, atheist, skeptic, and we will reach the enlightenment. But Guess what? Yes, <laughs> Guess what? kids are no longer going to mass every Sunday, sure. Uh, but they're not turning into into atheist skeptics either. There's a lot of kids that are embracing things like witchcraft, you know, like this, this trend about witchcraft on TikTok and all these social media and kids are there are more millennials that are interested in astrology that people over 60 that are interested in astrology. Like, you can make a meme on Twitter, like, mm. say, oh, I'm having a shitty day, Mercury on retrograde, am I right? And people will laugh because <laughs> they get the joke. I don't get the joke because I'm too old for that, but they, they get yeah. the joke. So there's yeah. this idea that UFOs <laughs> and fringe, fringe concepts are starting to occupy a bigger... A bigger space in in these cultural discussions. But the problem is that I see that there is, in some regards, some kind of like move to make UFOs like the new state religion, as it were.
3: Mm.
4: And a state religion needs to have certain rules and certain figures that you need to listen to. Oh, like, this is our Pope, you know, we need to, we need to believe in what he says. And there are people like me who says, wait a minute, you know, I have doubts. I have doubts about this new dogma that you want to feed upon my throat, you know? Like these things, I'm, I question them. So I, that's why I'm calling myself a UFO heretic. I'm not a UFO atheist. A UFO atheist will be a skeptic that says, oh, this is bullshit. It, there right. can, it can't be, therefore it isn't. There are no, th- right. no such things <laughs> as UFOs. <laughs> yeah. I'm not into that camp. I'm into the camp of, yes, there is something to this phenomenon. Something real, real something, tangi- uh, something that affects people, transforms them in very interesting ways. And we have to look into it. But that doesn't mean I have to de facto believe in all the things that all these whistleblowers are coming with, like all these crappy videos that they say, oh, this is the best evidence we've ever had about UFOs. like. Are you fucking kidding me this thing this piece of crap I mean just because you say so or, or you have all these people saying oh Louis elizondo says that there's there's ev- there might be evidence that there, they were recovered uh, flying saucer crushed and, and retrieved bodies okay well where's the proof you know show me the proof otherwise it's still hearsay otherwise still dogma that were were, we're fighting over all these mythologies so that's why i call myself a ufo heretic all right so do you think uh first
2: of all am i right that there is an increase in um at least in media awareness of these phenomena i mean i'm seeing stuff weekly probably you know that they're You know, a flight uh, not far from here uh, recently, uh, I think New Mexico, the pilots reported seeing something flying by them, some tubular object. And, you know, the the military is saying it wasn't us. Uh, They didn't used to deny that. They didn't used to say anything. Right. These reports, you know, these guys, these Navy pilots who were flying off uh, San Diego, you know, Mm -hmm. their reports and the, the military confirming yes, what these guys are saying, you know, we saw that it showed up on the radar. It feels like two things. One, it feels like there's at least in media an increased frequency of reports. And it seems that for some reason that I don't understand, the government is relaxing uh their rules of engagement when these things Mm.
4: happen um is that accurate there's definitely at least in in especially in american media right in english speaking media there's definitely been in the last three years an increase of uh ufo news uh, especially in media that didn't used to address those stories, like one of our right. most important ufologists of the last decades, Stan Friedman, you know, one of the, the guy who helped uh, the idea of the Roswell crash and all that to, to become part of the culture. And he used to say something like he called the New York Times syndrome. Like so many people will say, well, I don't believe in UFOs because uh, if they were real, I would read about it in the New York Times. So if the New York Times doesn't touch the, the t- subject of UFOs, I know that, that there's nothing to it. And then in 2017, boom, you have the New York Times article and everybody's like, okay, what the hell, <laughs> you know? And and it was kind of like a game changer. One has to uh, admit it, even though by that time, like mainstream media had to deal with with problems of like uh, l- lack of money, lack of sponsorship, and and a, a, a big chunk of the population saying, "Oh, fake news!" You know, I rather listen to Alex Jones or Breitbart News than the you know the, the failing New York Times, as Donald Trump used to call them. So there is that. Yeah, there's definitely an increase, and 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 there's kind of like a push to for this kind of narrative, and 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 ge- I guess. People in the Pentagon are no longer like saying no comment, right? With regards to UFOs. At least the Pentagon and the Navy. The Air Force are still pretty much following the no comment uh, policy since the days of the Blue Book ended. Like saying, well, mm. we no comment, we're not interested, we're, we're no longer investigating uh, uh, UFOs, you know, go away. But the Pentagon, yeah, it's kind of like saying, yeah, okay, yeah, those, those videos are real, but in the sense that they were taken by Navy personnel. They are real videos of things. Like right. right now I could make a video of my balls and it's a real video, but it doesn't make my balls UFOs, right? It's like there's a there's <laughs> the difference. So you, you identify <laughs> testicular objects. So <laughs> need, people need to understand that because when 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 I hear Uh, people who who have a mild interest in the subject say, oh my God, the Pentagon just confirmed UFOs are real. No, that is not what they're saying. They're saying that these videos were real, they were taken by Navy Personnel, and some of those videos, yeah, they remain unexplained, but that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, they're for aliens. In fact, there's a a tendency by some of the people who are pushing this story to sell the story by saying there could be a threat, that there could be some new advancement made by our enemies. Like this could be Chinese drones, or they could be some kind of weird Russian platforms. Maybe our enemies managed to get like leapfrog us and have a huge advancement that we're not aware of. And in fact, there's another guy who writes for this website called The Drive. This guy's name is Tyler Rogoway. He posted some weeks ago a huge article, 10,000 words, kind of like proposing the idea of, yeah, our enemies are spying on us and they are counting on our skepticism or, or our bias towards UFOs for their advantages. That basically he's saying some of those things are uh, low-tech uh, spying systems that used by someone, maybe the Chinese, maybe the Russians, to spy on American war vessels, and and they deliberately make it make them look weird. So as if a pilot sees it and says, What the hell is that? Is that a UFO? Well, mm, I better not tell about this. Because if I tell that I saw a UFO, people are going to think I'm a nutjob, people are going to think I'm unreliable. So there is this stigma that Maybe someone is using in their favor, you know, like using it as do a kind of like weapon.
2: And could that explain, or at least that sort of um, argument, could explain why the Pentagon is relaxing their engagement around this to try to remove that stigma so that if pilots do see something bizarre, that they'll, they're more likely to report it.
4: Happened. And not only pilots, uh, uh, Chris, like, for example, you're right now in, in Creston, Colorado, right? Right, so in yeah, Colorado. Lots
2: of UFOs here.
4: Yeah. Lots of UFOs, and also, maybe you should talk to your neighbors and friends about drone sightings that happened a year ago. That yeah, people. Yeah,
2: no, I read about that. Right. That wasn't here in Creston, that was yeah, in, I uh, know. more up around Denver, but yeah. I think, yeah. Dozens of drones flying in formation and all that. And the military said they have nothing to do with it.
4: But, yeah. yeah, and the FAA said, like, well, well they disappear, so case closed. It's <laughs> like, yeah. wait a minute. And especially because it seems that some of those drones uh, were coming very close to sensitive installations, nuclear installations, right. military bases. So it's weird, right? And also, also the fact that the way that the media, deals with it. At some point, mm-hmm. uh, there were articles saying that it had all been a frenzy. It had all been a mass hallucination. Oh, people didn't see drones. They were seeing planes, or they were seeing the moon or the stars, and they thought they were drones. Like, no, they weren't. They- actually, people were seeing something. I don't know if they were drones. I don't know if they were actually something far more exotic, because let's not remember, not, let's not forget that uh, Commercial drones, or even you know, top-of-the-light drones, have very limited characteristics when it comes to like, hovering over, uh, over long de- periods of time. Like, your best uh, commercial drone can only uh, uh, hover in the sky like half an hour at the most. Yeah, there are other types, kinds of drones, fixed-wing drones that like, kind of like pl- fly like a plane. They are, can actually even lift off vertically because they have these little uh, uh, rotors on the on the top. And they can stay, stay there in the air for hours, sometimes even a day. But they cannot hover, and they not they cannot make a, like a, uh, instant acceleration, deceleration, or sharp turns. That those kind of things. So. There is also kind of like a a trend towards saying, if you see something weird in the sky, oh, that must be a drone, you know? I don't know, therefore drones can also be very risky to say, well, you know, maybe there's actually something there that we don't know. And and to say there is a drone is not really an answer.
2: Well, the famous situation with the the Navy pilots off San Diego, Um, there were several things that they reported about what they saw. Yeah. That you know, I don't understand how you, it could be explained as like, oh, Chinese right. know, monitoring or right. something. I mean, the the fact that that object uh, had no visible means of uh, of no rotors, no propellers, no no exhaust. Uh, it, it's, it's movement, this sort of shaking the tic-tac shaking movement along mm-hmm. the water, you know, it was like what, 50 feet above the water or something. Mm-hmm. And then it accelerated at a speed, no way beyond what any, uh, known technology could you know, way beyond drones or anything. Mm -hmm. And they picked it up 20 miles away on the radar, uh, you know, from the ship. It's like, there's, there's, there are a lot of things there that just can't be drones or some fucking Chinese, you know, weather balloons or something like that.
4: Yeah, like, um, there are alternative explanations that some people entertain, like, for example, the idea that, yeah, that the radar managed to see the targets going from, I don't know, 80,000 feet in the air to 20,000 almost instantly. And people would say, well, we are, there actually are systems that can fool radars into seeing virtual targets that are not really there, you know, and mm-hmm. you can make those targets move in very peculiar ways, but that, that, that are, that, those are systems that actually are made to, to full electronic systems to to detect things that are unexistent. Okay, that's one argument. And the other argument's like saying, yeah, okay, nothing physical could actually move in such a way. Sure, Uh, but what about if we're not talking about something physical, we're talking about some kind of projection, like holographic projection, or maybe some kind of like plasma type uh, projection in the sky that, almost like someone getting a giant laser pointer, moving it like that, when your cat is like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> Maybe that's what's happening with the with the That's Navy what pilots. the
2: aliens are doing with us. They're they're showing
4: lasers around. So we'll There's actually a, a, a very funny cartoon of, yeah, a, a guy with the laser pointer and the cat's going crazy. Ah, stupid cat. And then there is the UFO moving in the city and saying, ah, stupid humans. And they, and, <laughs> And some people I know made really interesting uh, comments about that. The idea of how the phenomenon seems to be toying with us. It's almost like if yes, we are the cat, and these guys are dangling something from time to time to, to make us react in such a way and to make maybe to make us learn. That is the whole idea behind Jacques valet control system. That the best way you have to to reinforce some lessons into a person or into an animal, you don't make it by make, having regular uh, like uh, exercises or regular tests. You may have to make them irregular from time to time. You know, otherwise people mm-hmm. you know get bored or the animal gets tired. So you need to make it, you need to add a level of, of randomness into the test into the system in order to reinforce the lesson. Right. So do you remember that there was a case at the Chicago airport? Yes, maybe about 10 the years, ago, the, years ago the, the O'Hare I think it was 2006. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. So
2: 15 years ago, mm-hmm. O'Hare airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was it's one of the things about this this phenomenon or this this area that Intrigues me how this was. I don't know if it was in the New York Times, or but it was. It was mainstream news. It was reported all over the place. This mm-hmm. thing was hovering, the, uh, like sort of right outside one of the gates, and hundreds of people saw it. Yeah, uh, the pilots saw it. It was on the radar. It was just like police. Like everybody saw this, um, and. It, and, it, and everybody was just like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Uh, I don't remember seeing photos or videos. Of no,
4: that. no. Apparently, there's never been any photo of the UFO. There's been a few that appear and say, well, those are fake. You know, those are not real photos. Uh, but no, so, not to, to my knowledge. So, it, so hundreds of witnesses,
2: they all saw the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's reported in major media. But no photographic evidence. All those hundreds <laughs> of people. Yeah. Right. We had cell phones with cameras in 2006, right?
4: Yeah, although not that as good as the uh, the one we have now. Yeah.
2: But good enough to take a picture of a fucking flying saucer outside the window, right? If your gate at the airport. So why why were there was there no photographic evidence? And what the fuck happened to that story? It was like one of the craziest things ever and right. then two days later, it was gone.
4: Sure. Well, I mean, to answer the first question, uh, we enter into the realm of uh, how people react during a, a very uh, unexpected situation, right? Like how many people managed to get like a car crash, you know, in real time with their cell phones, you know? How many people actually managed to get you know, and the right time time and the right place. Also, when something very unexpected happens, like, for example, right now, if, you know, I I walked on the street and there was an elephant crossing the street, like, what the fuck? Probably you will be stupefied for a few seconds and maybe after that, oh shit, you know, I forgot to, you know, I'm gonna take my camera and then you're fumble with it and then by then the elephant is gone. There's that. And then there's also stories of people who actually, you know, they, they said that they saw the UFO and they were marveled by it. And then by the end of it, they said, why didn't you, didn't you take a picture? I, you know, I didn't think about it. Like I wasn't interested in taking a picture, you know? Like it didn't occur to me. Like, so
2: there's okay. some kind of mind control that's part of the, the event?
4: But not only that, but it's also the idea that uh, sometimes there are professional cameramen have the best equipment available. They have the saucer right there. It's beautiful. And the camera doesn't work. Right. And, 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 yeah, I know skeptics hear this and say, that's bullshit. But that's what people say, you know. And, and, and there seems to be some kind of like a, like what Jacques Vallée says, a self-negating component in the phenomenon. Mm. The phenomenon doesn't want us to believe in it too much. <laughs> oh, actually, that's one of the, it, it, there's a, one of my favorite stories is about this patrolman in, I think it was in Nebraska in the 1960s. I think his name was Herbert Shermer. So he got abducted uh, and and then, uh, he got like h- hypnotically regressed, and he remembered seeing these uh, aliens. weren't the typical gray aliens we hear about. These guys were like shorter, like one, one point five meters in height, tan skin, cat-like eyes, you know, with a weird like patch with a winged serpent, and they were. St- tell him, you know, are you the watcher of this town? said, yeah, watcher, come with me. And they gave him the tour of the saucer and all that. And at the end, one of them said to him, we want you to believe in us, but not too much. Like, what the hell is that supposed to? What the hell is that supposed to mean? And there's this this almost like dreamlike logic that rules the UFO phenomenon. to to such a degree that that's why I feel that we still don't have that smoking gun of Mm -hmm. like that perfect photograph. And by the way, you know, right now if we have the perfect photograph, what use is that? Because we have so much much technology to fake videos today. You have technology to put Gal Gadot's face in a porn clip you know, of course, you have technology to make a, 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 a convincing video of a, of a UFO landing you know, on the White House. Right, You know? Right. So, but, yeah, but that's a good point. But there are people who have tried to get, you know, that tangi- tangible evidence, like Robert Bigelow. You know, this guy, this weird billionaire. And I remember that the whole thing with Dean Redden started because Joe Rogan had... Robert Bigelow on his show, and, and, and Joe was showing a lot of skepticism toward psychic phenomena and all of that. And Bigelow is very much in favor of psychic ph- phenomena. He's, right now he's funding these like contests to try to find evidence of the afterlife and all of that. And, and Robert Bigelow used to own this weird place in Utah called the Skinwalker Ranch, when all sorts of really, really weird activity has been purportedly reported all over, you know, for decades. And these guys had cameras, these guys had sensors, they had had that, uh, boots on the ground, you know, like he uh, had guards uh, patrolling the, the perimeter. They never managed to get like, aha, you know, this is the photo of the portal opening and the UFO coming out of the Stargate. They never managed to get, they had a lot of weird things happening to them. like. All of the sudden, all the camera cables, like the uh, connecting the, the with, with the power, disconnecting them. You know, it's like someone physically plugged out, plugged out the the cables from the cameras. Like, saying, "What the hell?" You know or, or or other weird things. You know, like happen, but nothing really with which which you will you will be able to convince uh, like a panel of scientists. Like, right. there's something that eludes us. You know, like uh, yeah. There's a, a a very famous uh, there's a, a comedian who once made a, this uh, bit about Sasquatch saying, "Well, the reasons all the the, the photos of Sasquatch are, are blurry is because Sasquatch is blurry. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, right. he's an out of focus monster. So, you know, beware." And I feel, yeah, I, I know he was making a joke, but I kind of feel like maybe he was into something. Like, there's something in the phenomenon that. Maybe needs to be connected to our consciousness in order to actually fully manifest here. But if we're, we try to capture it, it with our instruments, then what we get is fuzziness. You know, we don't get the, right. the, the thing what we want. You know, the sharp photo of the UFO gleaming in the sun. Like, oh my God! When you see those photos, most 99 percent of the time, those are fake. Right.
2: What do you think about
4: uh, crop circles? Well, like I told you, you know, uh, I know for a fact there are people who make the circles, right? Yeah. There's a, peop- There's a guy who has been interviewed by some of my friends who was actually the only guy in England who was charged with the crime of making a circle, you know, with <laughs> trespassing. And obviously, yeah. you know, farmers they hate the crop circles because, you know, they they, they tamper with the crops and, and then the, all the tourists that go and they want to meditate and, and take the crystals and kumbaya. They hate that. Uh, but even though I know there's there has to be a human component in the crop circle phenomenon, I still feel that the crop circles have something very interesting going on. Like, this guy, for example, telling this anecdote of saying, okay, one, one night I couldn't rest, I couldn't sleep well, so all of a sudden I had this impulse to go all by myself out to the, to the field, to a field, I, I chose a field at random, and I decided all by myself to make a little crop circle. you know. And then I saw or I heard that there were some people there and I felt that they were going to see me, but all of a the sudden there was like this mist coming like, which managed to conceal me so I could finish the job. Then when I finished, I joined these guys who were there in the field and I went to see what they were doing. And yeah, these guys were crop circle enthusiasts. And they told him that they actually had chosen that field to try to ask for a crop circle to manifest. And what was incredible is that the design that they had kind of like chosen to manifest in the circle is the design that this guy did you know, out of, you know, sheer, as a, as a whim. That is the design that he chose right. and that is the design that he made. So what happened here? Right. Is there something going on that someone took the control of this guy and put the impulse in him, like, you go outside and and, and, and make this circle, you know? And, and these guys also report all sorts of weird stuff, like seeing orbs of light, like moving in the field and sometimes chasing them and sometimes they they even uh, re- report weird time slips in the sense that like they are working in the field and they see oh my god the sun is about to come out we are not done yet we need like two more hours and all of a sudden almost like in the Bible they they keep working and the sun is not coming out it's like what the hell's happening you know and like it's almost like in, they're, they're they're entering some kind of like time dilation so what I'm saying here is like yeah. The the crop circles are very interesting to me, and not as some kind of like proof of alien intervention, but there's some kind of like, almost like a magical ritual going on there. It's almost like the the circles are glyphs, and they are living glyphs because they are made of living matter, right? And the fact that these guys, the guys who make the the circles, the, the authors, they choose to remain anonymous, that gives them some sort of like power in the imagination of the people, you know? Like you're not giving the, the trick away and that instills something very mysterious and very interesting. It's like all the movies with uh, Stanley Kubrick, 2001, you know, it's very ambiguous and some people hate it. Like, what the hell happened here? You know, explain, explain it to me. And Stanley Kubrick said, no, I want people to get their own conclusions. That ambiguity right. is very powerful. In, if you're making a, some sort of magical ritual, you know?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and when, when you were talking, I was thinking, you're talking about the, the guy who had this impulse to go out and, and the, the image that he created was the image that these people had sort of prayed for or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was thinking about how interesting it is that things can be both fake and real at the same time. Yes,
4: yes. Mm -hmm. There's definitely, uh, and this is something that makes people uncomfortable, but there's, hoaxes have a role to play in this story. In in, 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 in ways that are kind of annoying. Like for example, one of my favorite UFO cases of all time is, is called the UMO affair. And this is something that was very, very famous in Spain. Maybe you even heard of it. Some, there were these letters that were received by researchers in the 60s and 70s in Spain and in France, Latin America, Argentina, and all that. And basically, these letters were. Sent by extraterrestrials you know like we're saying, yeah we have a right to the, your, your planet and we're we're not going to like openly reveal ourselves but we're going to give you information about our culture or whatever right and and these these letters were very detailed in technical data it's not it wasn't like the fussy woosy new agey mumble jumble that uh, contactees used to say when the people st- tried to ask them oh how do the Flying saucers like, Oh well, they used like the energy of the universe. Like no, no, these guys, these letters actually got into nitty gritty information to the point that some scientists say, well, this was either made by a genius, a group of geniuses. So these are real. To make a really long story short, in the end it turned out that the letters were in fact fake. They were made by this guy who tried to like uh, pull a stunt on, 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 on ufologists. Although he, uh, he said at one point that he had received help from some kind of like foreign intelligence agency like the CIA or something like that. I won't get into that, but the point I was, I'm, tr- I'm trying to make is that the symbol that he used for those uh, letters and that symbol that was used in and that appeared in these uh, photos of a ufo that was supposedly appeared in this place san jose de valderas in spain in 1967 i want to say and many people think that the photos are fake i agree but that very symbol also appeared in a very famous case in in the soviet union By the end of the regime of of, of the Soviet Union, by the the time of the Perestroika, in a city called Voronezh, in 1990, I want to say, I don't know if you remember that, it was kind of a huge deal, because that's like the first time that the Russians opened up about the UFO activity and say, well, yeah, this thing happened. And there was this craft that landed on a park where there were children playing. And there was this uh, giant that appeared, uh, with the one like, like a cyclope. And, and it pointed something at one of the kids and the kids disappear. And it was a robot, a, a crazy ass story. But you see the pictures that the children that witnesses uh, made of that case. And there is the UFO symbol, the, the UMO symbol. Mm. So what's going on here? How is it that a, a symbol from a fake UFO case appears in what, in my opinion, still a real UFO case, you know, what's with the... the tr- and it's the tricksterish, the trickster-ish, tricksterish aspect of the phenomenon that is that what, can, what confounds both the skeptics and the believers, you know? Like, yeah. this is not what the uh, uh, space travelers should behave like, you know, space travelers should la- land on the White House once and for all, like, take me to your leaders, you know, go and shake the hand of Obama or Biden or whatever, and okay, you know, so now we know these guys are real. But that's not what's happening here. We see this, like, like magic trick, you know, like this spell cast upon us, like almost like if someone is toying with us. And now the way that it's toying with us is that it's using the the saucer, you know, thingy pull on a string and they pull on the alien mask and once they we get tired of the alien mask they'll put on another mask you know just to keep on with the with their with the ruse well
2: it sort of brings us back to where we began where, where you were uh referencing my conversation with jamie wheel and the mm-hmm. this idea that uh, the secularization of the world uh you know, oh, they're nihilists on one side, and mm-hmm. and you know, true believers on the other. Uh, I think you're right that in the middle, I I feel like, like belief and faith is itself a magical energy for sure, and it conjures reality. Yes, you know, like I'm I'm thinking, you know, when people get together in a temple or a church or around a fire or whatever, and they, their faith merges, and their their belief merges, and it's structured through some sort of a ritual, um, they will experience something right. that is real. Right. Their experience is real, and they might experience the presence of Jesus, or they might experience uh, you know, a UFO, they might experience, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oneness with the universe. I and mean, there's so many different things. But that experience is real, even if it's conjured somehow yes. by this focusing of faith and belief and desire.
4: Yeah, there's this. Yeah, yeah there's this guy in the UFO scene. Uh, Dr. Steven Greer. Right, And this, he's a very controversial uh, figure. Some people love him, some people hate, hate him. He's something of a guru type of, 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 of figure in the scene. And he has this kind of like what he calls uh, f- uh, 5D protocols. Basically like protocols that a group can follow if they want to make contact with the aliens or the UFOs. You know, and it's kind of shady because if you read it, it's like yeah you know you go with these guys and you pay five thousand dollars <laughs> or something like that to just to be in the spot and it's like wow you know what a scam. But even people who hate his guts and who th- who think he's a total fraud, some of those people will say yeah but the protocols work, you know because mm. if you have enough people with the right amount of intention they will actually get to see something, you know? And it's not like, oh yeah, you know, they are, they are confusing the ISS or some Starlink satellite and they think, oh, that's the UFO. No, maybe something more difficult to explain, you know? That's, in, the, in the UFO scene, some people talk about what, what is called tulpas. Tulpa is a, is a word that is borrowed by Tibetan Buddhism. Right, uh, It was introduced in the West by this uh, British mystic, Alexandra David Neal. She was the first woman to go to Tibet, to, to to go and visit the forbidden city of Lhasa, dressed as a man, because, you know, like pacifists or no, she pro- they would probably get, kill her. And, and she was the one who first talked about how Buddhist monks, have, with enough practice and meditation and intent, can actually create these like, thought forms, like these manifested ideas that get tangible in, in, in reality. And she did that, allegedly, the idea that she started to, to, to think of a, a, a jolly, fat Buddhist monk. And the Buddhist monk appeared and started to follow her, her retinue, you know, and it was, I mean, people saw, saw, it, saw the, the monk, not only her, And but then the problem is that the the tulpa or this monk began to like, uh, get out of control, you know, he lost weight, and he began to be more tricksterish. the tulpa began to gain a life of, of its own. And then she tried to do some kind of like ritual in order to, you know, get rid of it. So some people say, well, what if UFOs are some kind of like tulpa manifestation? What if it's some kind of like, and this is something that I uh, proposed to you in our first uh, interview. What if the UFO is some kind of like, manifestation from our unconscious, you know, that is gaining some kind of like, uh, a life of its own? And and the question is, will the UFOs exist if there are no people here on earth to think about? It's just like the gods, you know, will Zeus mm. and, 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 and Jehovah cease to exist if there are no like people to pray to them. <laughs> right.
2: Right. It's an interesting question. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it makes me think of of all sorts of, uh, you know, psychophysiological phenomena, right? right? Uh, hypnosis. It's right. like hypnosis fucking exists. It mm-hmm. exists in people who uh are able to be hypnotized. Mm-hmm. And man people have had fucking open heart surgery with no anesthesia right. other
4: than hypnosis. Right. So um have you ever heard yeah, of the have you, ever, have you ever heard of the philip experiment uh, i don't think so okay it's a very interesting it's something that happened in the 1970s i think in canada some group of parapsychologists decided to say okay what if we could invent a ghost basically come up with a the the story of a, a guy who lived in in the past totally fictional right you know something come out of their you know imagination so invented this this history of this fake uh, individual and they tried to see if they could like communicate with the fake individual nonetheless using whichjavos and whatever and at first they didn't have much success but in the end uh, I guess they managed to get enough energy into it that yeah they got to responses from it even very dramatic responses that they will sit on the table uh, around a table right and the typical experiment of putting your 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 fingers very lightly on, on top of the table and saying hey Philip try to make the 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 the, 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 the table fly or try to make the table like uh, hover and once they got into into it yeah the table will start to move on its own like hey are you moving it no and we're not moving it and so it goes to show that you can get like we said real psychic unexplained manifestations even if the source or the origin of the of the of the story is totally bogus you know
2: Yeah that that's uh that opens up all sorts of interesting issues about group belief right, right? like you know those people who say yeah we can change the world by changing the way people think. they They may be right. I yeah. mean they may be right in some sort of dimension that that at least I hadn't considered. Um, yeah.
4: imagine if uh, and this is yeah. something that actually Dean Radin proposed uh, in his book Real Magic, which I highly recommend uh, uh, to, to to people listening to this, like it was like a speculating on his behalf of, okay, but he said, what if we actually managed to reach a point? in which we can understand the laws of magic. I mean, to him, psychic phenomena is magic, right? What if man managed to get to such a point in which we can tap into this power or this energy in order to, like you said, shape reality to our convenience? Could, could, could we be able to, like, stop the glaciers in Antarctica from melting? right? Like fix the ozone layer, you know, like regrow the Amazon forests or something like that. And I want to say a hopeful maybe at this point, I don't know how many people you will need to get into that kind of sink. Right now, it feels like we can do that. But on the opposite way, there are so many people who are so pumped up by the idea of the world collapsing. That is also almost like if they are actually manifesting the end of the world by their pessimism. You know what I mean?
2: Mm. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a, a wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's interesting.
4: There, yeah. I, uh, there, there's a wonderful movie called uh, Tomorrowland uh by george with george clooney uh, uh and is directed by brad bird and yeah that's the idea that uh we reach a point in our culture in which it's easier to think of dystopias than it is to think of you know future utopias in which you know we actually manage to live fulfilling lives you know like it's almost even in, in superhero movies people say, why are superhero movies so dark and gritty you know like well it's because if you put color into, the, into it, nobody will believe it, you know? Nobody, nobody believes that the guy will get the girl in the end and the thing will get better, you know? Everybody's expecting the world to end. And in the movie, they make the argument, well, it's, make the, it's easier to think of that because in the end, you want the world to end because it's, it's such a release from your duty to try to do something about it, you know? To try to, you know, be creative, fix problems, put effort into it. It's easier to give up and say, well, I'm just gonna sit here and die, you know, let the the asteroid come, you know, or let the aliens come and invade us. And on the other hand, there are the people who think that we only need to wait for the aliens to come and save us and and to usher us into the new uh, level of existence and, and, and we'll enter into some kind of like a Star Trek kind of fantasy world. And, and we will be joining the Galactic Federation and yada, yada, yada. And I feel that's also a pernicious fantasy. Like, say, no, nobody's coming to save us, guys. You know, yeah, the asteroid is coming and it's going to hit us. And we are the ones who need to do something about it. We, we, we cannot like, uh, you know, and maybe that's something about it is yes, yeah, using our intention, using our, our, the power of our, of our mind, which I feel is untapped. You know, we're talking about psychic phenomena that is totally exists. We, we in this regard, what, you know, skeptics say, you know, people say, nah, it's bullshit. You know, James Randi, you know, and, uh, Joe Rogan and saying, well, you know, James Randi had the $1 million challenge and, and that's why we know that psychic phenomena is bullshit. And then Robert Bigelow got so mad, say, Oh, Randy was a fraud and he was a fraud. But yeah, the idea is that I guess what I'm trying to say I'm rambling here and that that what I'm trying to say is that we need to do something about it. And we have all this potential, that we're we're barely, barely starting to comprehend. And maybe we actually manage to use it for good use, we could actually save this world, you know, and turn it into a paradise.
2: Okay, mom, uh, tell people what they can order from the garage.
3: Okay, in our cottage garage, we have lots and
2: lots of T-shirts. Sex at Dawn, Civilized to Death, Vanthropology, Tangentially Speaking, Paleo Modern, and Talking Out of My Ass. (laughs) She didn't like saying that last one. Then we now have some new
3: things added. We've got Beer Cozies. Or koozies, or whatever they're called.
2: Oh, civilized to death. Design. They're all civilized That's right. to death. We have stickers and car decals, right? Yes. Okay, there you have it. That's Julie, my mom.
1: He said, Baby, what's a so big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day.